If you would go ahead and turn to Luke 22, verse 20. And while you're turning there, I want to tell you about a couple things just so you're aware. We have some flyers for the God and Country Day um, that's coming up on Thursday. Please grab one of those and post them anywhere that you think someone might see them and be interested in coming because of it. Okay? So we'd love to have people know about this. This is a great time to invite someone new who maybe is not part of a church yet and invite them to come to this and meet folks from our church. And this may be the thing that gets them interested in coming to the church, hearing the gospel, uh, and being saved. And so that is our hope with anything that we do like this is that it will end um, with folks' salvation and them becoming part of this body of believers. The second thing is this, as you're turning, um, there are some books out on the, the table in the foyer, and this one's a little one uh, from a series called Church Basics, and it's called Understanding the Lord's Supper. There is so much, the Lord's Supper is something that's simple, but at the same time, every time I get up and, and have preached about it in the past and have prepared to preach about it this week, I realize that it's simple, but there's so much to what is happening here in the Lord's Supper. And so for me, just as I'm going through, and uh, I know that Josh did this with the very, the very first chapter, is kind of took the, the idea, the theme of it, and then went and made a sermon out of it. And I'm doing the same thing through this, um, and it's just a little helpful way to think about all the different aspects of what's happening here in the Lord's Supper. So I hope that you'll pick that up on the way out. We have a suggested donation of $5, and all the books on that back table have suggested donations. That's just to help us recoup the cost. Listen, if you need that book, you want that book, you don't have the money for that book, take it, okay? It's free, it's a gift. We want you to know more about God and His Word. That's why that stuff's there. Well, hopefully you're at Luke 22, verse 20. Before we get into the text, though, uh, I, want, I want you to think about the most serious promise that you have ever made in your entire life. For a lot of you, the most serious promise that you've ever made in your entire life is when you got married, maybe. Hopefully, if you're married, that was your most serious promise. And you made this promise, and you you said, I promise that I'm going to be faithful to you, and hopefully you have been. Maybe, though, for you, your most serious promise is something like financial, like a mortgage, right? And a mortgage is a pretty serious promise, because you're like, hey, I'm I'm giving you, uh, I'm going to pay you money for you to give me a bunch of money up front to buy this house, and if I don't pay you, you get my house back. Maybe it's a job. Whatever it is, when you make a serious promise, there's usually something that you do that is the sign of the seriousness of that promise, right? When you get married, what is the sign of the seriousness of that promise? You have a ring, right? You have a ring, and maybe you go and you get a license, and there's, there's a number of things, but the big thing we think of is a ring, right? A wedding band. If you uh, get a mortgage, you go and you sign this paper, right? And this paper, and a mortgage is interesting. This has nothing to do with the the sermon, but if you ever think about it, a mortgage is a serious thing because inherent in the word is is mort, M-O-R-T, which is like a a root word meaning like death, right? Essentially, it's a contract that you can't, like you got to die to get out of it. That's, that's, That's what it means. There are some serious things. We have these pieces of paper, we have these rings, we have these signs and these symbols of this promise that has been made. And for us, God has made signs, symbols, pictures of his gospel and of the salvation that we have. And we call these things ordinances. And so these two ordinances that we have, the first one is the one that's the beginning of the Christian life. At the beginning of the Christian life, what's the very first thing you do? You get baptized. And then ongoing is being part of a body of believers. We do what? It's happening today. Lord's Supper. We need these signs 
We need these symbols, and God has been good to give them to us. Because for us, so often we forget the truth of the gospel. Amen? We forget the truth of the gospel. We forget how good our God is. Maybe we forget how bad our sin is and that it leads to death. We need baptism to remind us of that. We forget the sacrifice that he has made. We need to remember that his body was broken and his blood was poured out for us. We need these signs because we forget. Luke 22, verse 20 says this. It's one, one verse. Is all we're going to talk about today. Here's what he says. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray. Well, Father, our, our hope is this. We think about this one particular element of, your, of the Lord's Supper. We know that... Um, we have the bread that represents your body being broken, and that's important. But we want to think this morning about the cup, symbolizing your blood poured out for us. We want to think about what it means that it's this new covenant in your blood. Help us, Lord, to focus in now on this word, to have just a few moments here to consider and be reminded of the truth of the gospel. Convict us where we need conviction. Encourage us where we need encouragement. And may we today, as we take this supper together as your people, may we be reminded of your goodness and of your sacrifice. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, our main idea is this. We know that God keeps his covenant because he makes his covenant through his blood. I'll tell you one more time, in case you want to write it down. We know that God keeps his covenant because he makes his covenant through his blood. Where we find Jesus and the disciples here is in the upper room. They're having dinner. They're having this Passover supper. And as they're having the Passover, and that's, that was, if you go and look at this book, that's the first chapter. The Lord's Supper is kind of a continuation of the Passover meal. That meal that God's people would do, the Israelites would, would take part of to remember how God had brought them out of Egypt. And so now Jesus is remembering that with his disciples. But he's helping them understand that that picture of having them come out of Egypt had more to do than just being slaves to an earthly king. But it had to do with being slaves to sin. And now Jesus is coming and he is the one who is leading them out. Like Moses led them out of Egypt, he's leading them out of sin and their slavery to sin. And as he's establishing the supper, though, he's not just changing the way they think about it. He's actually changing what's going on. He's establishing here, he says, this new covenant. Well, for us, the question that probably has come to your mind, if you've not thought about this very much, is, well, what do you mean, new covenant? Because what even is a covenant? And is there's a new covenant, was there an old covenant? And if there is an old covenant, what is that old covenant? And there's a lot of questions and and things that go into all of this. My hope is to help us understand what the old covenant was so we can understand what the new covenant is. We can understand why it's important that his blood is, why his blood is so important to this new covenant. A covenant, just very basically, is an agreement between two parties. And it's an agreement that is conditional. It's essentially saying, Listen, you need to do this, and if you do this, I'm going to do this, okay? And it's, I mean, it's kind of like when we talk about um, the mortgage, right? We're going to give you this money and let you keep that money and keep whatever you buy with that money, which is a house, as long as you pay us. But if you quit paying us, 
Things aren't good. It's this conditional agreement between these two parties. And Jesus is establishing a new covenant. But the old covenant is what we want to think about for a moment. See, there was this covenant that started back in the garden. Imagine being in the garden and everything's good, right? Everything's hunky-dory. We get to be with Jesus. He comes and he's with us. There's no sin in the world. We can eat of any tree in the garden except for one, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God tells them that they can eat from any tree. But if they eat from the tree of the garden, the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what will happen to them? They'll die. Well, here we see a covenant, don't we? I've given you this. You get to enjoy this garden. The one thing you don't have to do, just don't do this. Don't eat from that tree. There's a conditional aspect to it. This is a covenant of work. And God says, listen, you can do this. I'm going to allow you to make this decision. But we know what happens, right? It doesn't work. They go and they eat the fruit from the tree in the midst of the garden. And then all of a sudden, things are falling apart. So God establishes another covenant. He begins the work of a covenant. And he says that there's a hope that's coming, right? He says, listen, to the woman, your seed is coming. and He's going to crush the head of the serpent that deceived you. He's coming, and he's going to set everything right. He begins this covenant. And here's what he does as he begins this covenant. It's a covenant that started with blood. Because Adam and Eve, what's some of the knowledge that they get? They go and they eat the fruit and they realize the first thing they realize is that they're what? You're like, can we say this in church? They realize that they're naked, right? What does God do? He clothes them in skins. And something has to happen to get skins from an animal, right? That animal doesn't keep on living, hopefully. You don't just skin an animal and it stays alive, right? For people who hunt... You have to kill the animal. Blood is shed, and God begins this promise, this covenant, this covenant of grace and this hope, looking forward one day to this Messiah who's coming. He says, I'm going to cover your sin for now, but one day I'm going to deal with it completely, forever. Over time, that promise is revealed more and more and more. And God reveals the reality of that promise to Noah and to Abraham and to David and to Jeremiah, and he promises that I'm going to give you a new covenant. Because see, that covenant of grace that came before Christ, it's only a picture. It's a promise. It's a hope. But he promises this new covenant in Jeremiah. And it is this covenant that is, it's the old covenant fulfilled, made real. It's finally realized because it's fulfilled not by a fallible human. Because fallible humans go and they try to do and obey, obey God and do what he tells them to do. And guess what they do? The same thing you do, right? They mess it up. But the perfect one comes. The God-man, Jesus. And that's what Jesus is in Jerusalem right here, right now, in this moment to do. He's coming to the cross. He is going there to die on behalf of his people. He is going to pour out his blood. The sign of the covenant. It's a picture of... It isn't a ring, it's, a con- it's not a contract, but this sign is the blood. And here's the thing about blood. 
There's something about blood that actually has a weightiness to it, does it not? For some people, the, you can see all kinds of liquid, right? But there's some people who you see the side of blood, and what happens? You, you get queasy, right? You get queasy. You don't like it. They pass out. Some folks are like that. We have a saying like, blood is thicker than water. And that's talking about the blood that folks share right in their veins, their heritage, the fact that maybe a sibling relationship, a family relationship is closer than any other relationship. There's this weightiness to the idea of blood. And there's actually even uh, all throughout history, blood packs, blood covenants, blood promises. You've likely read Tom Sawyer, right? Most of us have read Tom Sawyer. And Tom Sawyer is... Uh, a boy, I don't think it ever says, but I think he's around the age of 12. He, he, he's a young kid, and him and his buddy go and they accidentally, accidentally see a murder one night. And as they're walking away, they see this murder, and they're running away, and they get away, and they start walking, and, and he and Huckleberry are talking about it, and they're saying, what are we going to do with this? What should we do? We saw a murder, and you know, as a kid, you've not developed that prefrontal cortex, right? And so your, your judgment's kind of, you know, you're trying to figure out how to, how to make decisions. We would say, as adults, we say, you've got to tell somebody about that. But for them, they say, if that person finds out that we told, he's going to kill us. And so for them, they're trying to decide, what are we going to do? Well, they decide, we're not going to tell anybody about it at all. And here's what they says. Tom says, I'm agreed. It's the best thing. Would you just want to hold hands and swear that we... And then Huckleberry Finn cuts him off and he says, oh no, that wouldn't do for this. That's good enough for little rubbishy common things, especially with gals, because they go back on you anyway, and blab if they get in a huff. But there ought to be writing about a big thing like this, and blood. So they write up, they find a, a little piece of wood, and they write up on it, Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer swears that they will keep mum about this, and they wish that they may drop down dead in their tracks if they ever tell, and rot. See, they make this blood pact. They make a blood oath. But what's interesting about this is the response from from Huck Finn. He says, no, 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 no. Holding hands and swearing, it might be good enough for little rubbishy common things. But it's not good for big things. And God can make all kinds of promises and have all kinds of signs of promises. And he does that throughout the Bible for little things. But this is a big thing. This is the salvation of his people. This is this thing that will give him a huge amount of glory. This is his plan from the beginning. His promise to save his people, it's not a little rubbishy common thing, as Huck Finn would call it. It's something that needs to be written about and to have blood. Blood is a big deal. Blood is a big sign. What we're doing this morning is a big deal. And I hope that for us, if you've done it year after year, months after months of the Christian life, that it doesn't become something that is wrote to you. But it becomes something that you understand, that this isn't some little rubbishy common thing happening here. God's salvation of us is not some little rubbishy common thing, but it's something that's important. If you're here and you're a Christian this morning, maybe you've been tempted by Satan to despair. For you, You struggle because you know that you've been struggling with sin. And you're despairing. You feel like your sin is just too great. Lord, this time I've done it. I've done too much. You can't keep loving me anymore. You can't keep holding out 
your grace to me. But understand that God's promise to you, if you are truly in Christ, isn't just to hold hands and swear, like Tom Sawyer suggested. God made a covenant, and he sealed it with his blood. This is why blood is so important. This is why we take the Lord's Supper and take the cup, the sign of the blood. This is Jesus fulfilling that covenant of works that was made on your behalf. Because he says, listen, you have to do this, and if you don't, it leads to death. And God understands, and he knows that we can't do it. And so he sends Jesus, and Jesus fulfills that covenant of works on your behalf. He comes, and he lives the life you could not live. And not just that, but he pays the penalty for breaking the covenant. So he upholds the covenant on both ends of it. He comes and he says, listen, I'm going to live the life you couldn't live. And on top of that, I'm going to die the death that you couldn't die. Believer, if you're here and you've been tempted by Satan this morning to despair, please understand that this sign of the Lord's Supper, this sign of the blood, is something to help you understand that God's promises are good, that the covenant that he makes is good. And he is good on it. He is good to fulfill it. He is good to give you grace in the midst of your sin. But maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. This might be the first time you've ever stepped into a church in your life. Maybe it's the first time you've stepped into a church in years. And you look around and you see people singing songs and you don't know the words. And you're like, what's happening with the sheet? I don't know what's under that sheet. What's going on here? And you think, I can't be good enough to be a Christian. I don't know the jargon. I don't know the lingo. I don't know about all this. Praise God, me neither. I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I'm not good enough. And if anyone tells you they are good enough to be a Christian, they're lying to you and they have no concept of what the gospel is. Because the gospel is that you're not good enough. The gospel is that you could not fulfill the covenant. The gospel is that you couldn't do it, but praise God, someone could. And that someone is Jesus. So if you're here and you're that person who says, I've never given my life to Christ, I feel like I'm going to drown under the weight of this conviction, the weight of this, these feelings of that I can't do right by God, understand that Jesus came and he poured out his blood for you to make a promise that if you would trust in him, that he would save you from those sins. He paid the penalty for you breaking that covenant that he made with all of humanity. He fulfills it and he lived the life for you. And if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to repent of your sins. Not just all the other sins you do, but repent even of the sin of faithlessness. Believer, repent of the sin of faithlessness where you've doubted and struggled and said, God, I just feel like you don't love me anymore. Understand, that's us not trusting God. And he has grace for that too. But I want to encourage you to even repent of that and to put your hope in Jesus. To remember that he makes a covenant, and his sign is not written on paper. It's not something that can be burned up. It's not something that can be ripped up. It's not something that can be lost. The sign of the covenant is his blood, and it means that he will make good on his promise. Let's pray. Well, Father, as we think about this, our, our hope and our prayer is that you would help us. Lord, where we struggle, say, God, I, I can't, I, I've gone against you too many times. I've struggled with this sin 
one too many times. Lord, and Satan's telling us that and feeding that to, into our ears. Lord, help us to understand that it is not what we do that makes your promise. That's what Christ has done. Help us understand that the blood that he has shed shows us that his promise is everlasting. His promise is good for all those who would come to him. Lord, for the, for the Christian who needs to come this morning and take the Lord's Supper, may they be encouraged and reminded that you make this promise. If there's someone here who's not a believer, Lord, as they consider these things, would you bring them to a point of conviction? Would you bring them to the point of saying, I cannot make God pleased on my own. I need someone to do it. And may they understand that Jesus did it. May they put their faith in him to trust him as their king and to live for him for the rest of their life, Lord. May you give us the right attitude, the right state of mind and the right state of heart to take your supper this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.